Welcome to the Shiro Podcast, where we celebrate women in the legal profession and discuss some of the challenges and issues they face. This podcast is brought to you by the Texas Young Lawyers Association. Hey everyone, welcome to an episode of the Shiro Podcast, a project of the Texas Young Lawyers Association. My name is Rebecca Patterson Linehan. I am the District 17 Board of Directors member and the co-chairman of the Diversity Committee. And I have with me my other co-chairman and our project chairman. Hi, this is Lauren Spilvita. I am the District 13 uh, TYLA director. And we also have our project head with us today. Hi, I'm Sarah Giddings. I'm the District 15 director. And thank you so much for joining us with our podcast today. So we have some very special guests with us for our episode today. I'll just let you ladies introduce yourselves. Awesome. Well, my name's Sally Pretorius. I'm currently the president of Texas Young Lawyers. I hail from Dallas, where I practice family law. Hi, I'm Brittany Harrison, and I'm the vice president. I'm also from Dallas, and I practice family law as well. I'm Bailey Rhodes. I'm the immediate past president of TYLA. I practice in College Station, and I practice family law and employment law. I'm Courtney Barksdale-Perez, and I am the chair-elect of TYLA this year. Um, I practice at a boutique litigation firm in Dallas. It's called Carter Arnett. Um, I'm a partner there. I've been a partner there for two years now. So uh, just to start off, can you give our audience, ladies, just a little bit of background um, where you went to school and undergrad and, and law school and maybe a fun fact about yourself? Um, yeah, so I it was born and raised in San Antonio, and then I went to school here. I went to St. Mary's for undergrad, then moved up to Dallas for the first time when I left home to go to SMU for law school. I practiced for about four years after that in Austin, and then followed my husband back up to Dallas, where I practice now, and I've been there for about four and a half years. Fun fact about myself, I have two hunting dogs. Um, and when I say hunting dogs, I'm really kidding because <laughs> the one that's actually a hunting dog is a pointer and she can't smell or hunt for the life of her and she's gun shy. And then the smaller one is a dachshund and she's truly a hunting dog, but she is um, a badger hunter and she's actually the better hunter than the pointer. So. Well, I am, this is Brittany again, I am originally from Austin, Texas. I went to North Texas for undergrad, and then I went back to Austin to go to law school at UT. I spent the first five and a half years of my practice in Austin, and then followed Sally back to Dallas, and started (laughs) practicing here in Dallas now. Um, I guess a fun fact about me is actually the complete opposite of Sally's, and I am terrified of dogs, but... I'm working on that fear right now <laughs> and trying to learn to not freak out when I'm around the animals. So Progress. I have Progress. two like fluffy little white dogs. And I would run from those. But they're like cotton balls, so it might be a good, you know, get used to them. Small baby steps, baby steps. Um, this is Bailey. I went to um, A&M for undergrad and Baylor for law school. I'm an oil field kid, so I moved around the country growing up, but I have now at this point spent more than half of my life in Texas. Um, I went to college, I started practicing in College Station right after law school, and I've been at my firm there for 10 years now. I have, my husband works there, and we have two little kids that are fun. And my, it's not really fun, but I'm excited because I just got to register for the Boston Marathon yesterday. Wow. Mm-hmm. Marathons, that's a, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's mind over matter. I graduated from UT Law in 2007, and I went to undergrad at Wake Forest. Um, 
Random fact about that's yourself. About it. Oh, a random fact about myself. Let me see. Um, I'm a third generation lawyer. Awesome. So, Sally, what was your inspiration um, behind starting the Shiro podcast? Why start it? Uh, well, apparently, all the cool kids are doing podcasts. Um, so, that was the number <laughs> one reason. But the number, well, really, that's probably number two. But the number one reason was I just, um, it was partly inspired by a project from Dallas Young Lawyers. They're doing a, a series called Continuing the Conversation where they pull up two really awesome women. You know, I think the last one Brittany and I went to, it was a judge and her former clerk. And so they just have this really intimate relationship where they can ask questions that are a little bit outside the norm. And the first one I went to, I was really inspired and looking at my project list, I was like, wait, hold on, I have nothing that helps advance women in the, the profession. So I thought a good way would be, um, you know, when I was sitting there in the Dallas Young Lawyers one, I realized that if you're not part of the Dallas Young Lawyers or have access to programs like this, a lot of people might not have access to that mentorship. So podcasts are an easy way. If you have a phone, if you have a computer, you can go to the library and plug in your headphones, you know, you should have access to a podcast. And um, just a good way to spread the word about all the great things that are the women before us have accomplished. So that's kind of my, my inspiration. So behind continuing the conversation, um, you know, we've talked as a board about, you know, that, that women, women attorneys, female attorneys always face some unique challenges and some, some harder challenges than some of our male counterparts when it comes to practicing law. Have you all ever had faced any of those challenges and if so can you give our listeners just a brief glimpse into that story I think so I think at every point in your career to be honest you're going to face like a different challenge as a female right so I think that you kind of probably have three of us that are in very different um, challenges I think right now this is going to sound so bizarre and I, I, I there may be some sort of phenomenon that's about it but I'm at the age where I'm 34 and everybody expects me to have a family and expects for me to be at a certain place in my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that me not being there societal, you know, I don't have a kid. I don't, um, we just bought a house that's in an actual neighborhood instead of downtown Dallas. And so I think people are uncomfortable with the fact that I'm not there. And I think that sometimes that might hurt me in a career, especially being a family lawyer. You know, clients are like, well, you don't have kids. I'm like, well, no, I don't, but I have nephews and I have, um, I can relate to your problems in a very real way, the same way that somebody with kids, because maybe you don't want some people with kids relating to you <laughs> based on how they raise their kids. But, um, so that's the challenge that I'm facing right now is that I think that everybody wants me to be somewhere in their mind. And um, I think it affects you career-wise because people are probably like, well, she's super stable. You know, what's going on with her? Why is she not here in her life? Mm -hmm. Is she going to have trouble getting pregnant when she's ready? Is that going to mean time away from the office? You know, clients in their mind, I think they, they want you to be somewhere. And I'm not there. And so that's the current challenge I'm facing. I'm like, when I am ready, that's when I'll be there. I think so. that's a great point to bring up because it seems like clients across the board don't have those expectations or those questions when it comes to male attorneys. Yeah, no, they don't. I mean, it, 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 so our, our office is kind of unique, and we have five different, all, all of the attorneys in one of our offices is, we're all about the same age, um, we're all about the same practice level, you know, all of us are board certified, so we're all pretty even, like, experience-wise, 
But I would definitely say that the guys, I, I don't know if they experience that as much, to be honest. I don't I don't hear, you know, the paralegals or anybody asking them when they're going to have kids. It's always like, when you have a kid, Sally, and I'm like, oh, when I'm ready. <laughs> so I, that that's where I am. But I think that at every point in your career, you're going to face something different, right? So I think that Bailey and Courtney could probably face something a little bit different. And maybe Brittany can probably relate to where I am a little bit. But I think every point in your career is just going to be something a little bit different. What about you, Brittany? Well, I don't know if I would be unique to me because I'm sure a lot of women experience this, but, you know, showing up for a deposition, they look at me and they're like, okay, do you need to set up your court reporting equipment? And oh. it's like, this is 2018. Women can be lawyers as well. And I've even had one where I had a client who was older and was not expecting to see a face that looked like mine when he walked into the room for his depo prep. And he's like, well, when is my attorney going to get here? And I am your attorney and I will help you get through this and make sure your deposition is going to go flawlessly so I know I'm sure a lot of y'all have had to face that but yeah yeah you just you know I just say for me I put on my my heels and I'm usually the tallest woman in the room and <laughs> you know hey short man syndrome is a real thing and it is <laughs> it is and so you know just deal with it and just don't let it phase you and do what you're there to do what about you Bailey so I am in a smaller legal market and at a small firm. Um, we're actually the biggest firm in our town, but that means we've got about 18 lawyers. And for a long time, I was the only female attorney in our office. And I was the first woman that ever had a baby. And so it was a whole thing. You know, they didn't have the maternity leave policy and they didn't really know, you know, what to deal with us, what to deal with me. There had been female staff that had, had babies, and they had sort of different expectations when they did. And so then I think there was a little bit of resentment from the, you know, what I got. So I'm in an office where for a long time, all male attorneys and me, mm -hmm. and then all female staff. So it was kind of an odd um, situation because I was supposed to be treated like the attorneys, but I'm kind of one of the women. And so the, the guys were all great, but it was just, I, we had to learn to navigate all of those things and also, you know, treat me different because I was an attorney. So um, we were able to work through it really well, but that was kind of a unique situation there. Uh, and then just kind of the other side of that is being the only female attorney in an office where your staff is mostly older women. And it puts you in an interesting situation where you have to remember that you're the boss and, I mean, there are lovely people to work with, but sometimes you don't want to get mixed up in you know, office politics and things mm -hmm. you shouldn't mix, get mixed up in, but you get pulled in only because you're female and they would never pull the guys into those kind, you know, complain about each other to you and the kinds of things they'd never do to the, I mean, I'm a partner in my firm and I get staff complaints that the male partners would never receive. So I can relate to some of the stories that have already been shared about, you know, people assuming that you're the court reporter or assuming you're too young to have practiced uh, as long as you have. I've been in practice 11 years and it's still shocking to people when I say that. Um, but generally I will say I'm not offended by it really because I, I think I'm just so used to it. Mm -hmm. And at this point I have found being underestimated to be a huge advantage. So I love when people make assumptions I love when people sum me up when I walk in a deposition um, and, you know, they assume that either because I'm a woman or I look young that um, it's not going to be a challenge for them, particularly older male attorneys. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's been very validating to me when I have handed them their asses <laughs> in court or in a deposition or whatever, and they, they acknowledge it. Um, so I love being underestimated. Um, I think it's a huge advantage, and it's an advantage that um, you know, we should recognize as that and take advantage of it. So just generally, guys, I know Sally touched on this a little bit earlier, but why do you think this Shiro podcast is going to be so important for our our legal community, especially the lady lawyers here in Texas? I think it's good to just hear these stories and for women to know that you're not alone. You might be in a situation like Bailey where she was the only female attorney in her office and really didn't have anyone to relate to us. So I think just hearing these stories and knowing people are out there experiencing the same things might give some comfort to her day-to-day practice. For me, it's the importance of staying power. You know, we are graduating from law school in record numbers, at least equal to in many law schools exceeding the number of men that are graduating law school, but we are still losing women in the profession um, during our childbearing years. Um, that's a huge concern. I tell um, all of my friends, I actually started practice with a five-month-old, so I've never known any different. I have three children now. Um, so, you know, child care duties and trying to balance all of that has always been a challenge for me throughout my entire career. But what I tell friends when um, I have many friends who are just starting to have children at this point um, and coming back from maternity leave and wondering how to handle things, um, and I tell them, you know, it took you nine months to have a baby, and it's going to take you at least that long when you return back to work to really just figure out how to do it all, how to manage it all. And I don't have any evidence of this, but I will say anecdotally that I think we lose most women within the first one or two years back to work after having either their first or their second child. And I think that is a natural consequence of dealing with those challenges that seem um, impossible, um, especially when your kids are really early and you're just trying to figure out how can I manage all this? How am I going to keep building these hours? How am I going to maintain the expectations in the bar that I've already set but get home in time to see my kid? Um, so what my advice is usually is just give it a year. You know, give it a year. It is very hard. It does get a little bit easier and you start to get in a groove. You're learning. This is completely new to you. But give it time. Um, and then if you decide it's not for you, then it's not for you. So I think in this world of social media and picture perfectness that we all put out there and see and consume every day, we see these perfect glimpses of people. And whenever you've got a podcast like this and you're kind of getting the whole story from successful women who have come before us, who are practicing alongside us, and like Courtney said, hearing different sides of things and encouragement um, from those women, it can help young attorneys, seasoned attorneys realize that they're not alone that the glimpses we see of perfection, we don't have to try to maintain those. That that's not a goal we're trying to obtain, but really we can follow these stories and sort of have comfort and encouragement from each other and learn from them. I think it's access. Um, and I, I kind of have an interesting story that knowing this was happening this weekend where we were going to be filming some Shiro's, I thought it was really important. So I reached out to um, a female. I was trying to make a decision this past week and. I hadn't consulted with my my, lo- my lawyer BFF over here, so um, I reached out to an older female attorney for some advice, and the advice she gave me was so so interesting to me that 
I think that it's good that people are going to have access to really strong female attorneys um, and getting access to advice. Her advice to me when I asked her was, number one, had I talked to my husband about this decision? And two, um, was I really sure this was something I wanted at this point? Did I seem like I was a little young to be taking this step in my life? And I thought that was really interesting because I then called a man for the exact same advice afterwards. And he was like, what do you need? I'm going to support you. And I thought it was just really interesting. And maybe it's just the way we think. Um, but I think it's important that those one-offs aren't there. In my mind, I'm going to kind of stutter over this. But in my mind, I was like, you know, if this was the only advice that I had gotten, I would have been discouraged. And I don't want there to be young attorneys out there or female attorneys out there only getting one advice from somebody you know, there's that saying that's like, if you're, if another woman's crown's crooked, fix it, but don't tell everybody that you're fixing it. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, help your friend fix her crown or whatever it is. I don't want there to be just this one person. You know, what if the only advice you're getting is from somebody who's trying to keep you down so that way they look great? I don't want that to be the only advice. I want them to have other people that are like, it doesn't matter if you're 29 and everybody else who's doing this is 70. Like, you can do it too. So, um, I think that's just where it's important for us to get... Maybe her advice was great. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I really need to think about it. But in my mind, I was like, wow, that's so weird. Like, I called one person, and they were like, have you talked to your husband? Which, <laughs> love him, and I will talk to him about it. But <laughs> that's just not the first thing I thought I would hear. And then the second thing was, aren't you a little young? And so then I called another man right afterwards, and it was, what do you need? How can I support you? And I think that in times like that, we really need to, to make sure that us as attorneys are also encouraging other women, encouraging people, but, um, and not just women, encouraging everybody, but that's what's important about this is the access, making sure that people have access to those strong female leaders who are pulling people up with them. So that's where we are. So our next question would be, for each of you, who are some of your own personal sheroes that have affected you in your life or affected decisions you've made? or have just played an ongoing role in supporting you during your career? Uh, for me, it's my mom. Like, my mom was great. She wasn't a lawyer, but she was a hero for me. She's super strong, told me to do whatever I needed to do. Um, you know, not, not, I think that part of being a, a mentor is also not afraid to be cr critical, and she was critical of me when I needed it and supportive when she also needed it. But I'd also just say the women in this room, right? Like, at different points in your time in your life, you're going to have different heroes, and so... Here we are. I mean, you guys are out here doing a podcast for your first time. I was like, hey, let's do a podcast and all of you three figure out how to do it and get it done um, on a low budget, which is great. And then Courtney over here, who, I mean, every time she's doing something, I'm like, how can I be Courtney when I grow up? And she's only two years old. And so, you know, and then Brittany, you know, Brittany and Bailey, it's just everybody in this, they're these grand, she's T.Y. president, raising two kids, a partner in her firm, and qualified for Boston Marathon. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. And Brittany and her extra time teaches ESL. You know, like I don't, I don't know how else like, you can say there's cheers everywhere. But I think it's everybody. Just you got to look for them. But um, yeah, for me, it's everywhere. They're they're great. And I'll say some of the women that I work with, um, like in my office, my personal boss, Diana Friedman. She is just such a powerful person she's so supportive and encouraging and I mean we have our mentoring lunches that are 
sort of mandated by the firm, but we just have a good time with them. Um, and she's always about, okay, what can I do to support you? What are some of your personal goals? Well, let's see what we can do to get this done. For instance, um, we're going to have like a practice pitch of the firm just to try and get some business because I'm a little nervous about doing that for the first time on my own. So she's like, well, you know what? Pick someone, we'll go to lunch, we'll sit down, we'll get this done, and you'll become more comfortable with it. And just Catherine Murphy in our Plano office, I mean, she's Wonder Woman, Sally yeah, she's, her. she's just amazing. And all these people, the best quality about them are they're good people, in addition to being wonderful lawyers. So just learning from what they've done and the path that they've paved for us has just been amazing. So one of mine is my mom as well. Um, she did not, she's not a lawyer. Um, and she didn't go to college. She was never encouraged by her parents to go to traditional college. She went to beauty school and was a beautician because that was that was what a woman could do in their town to advance themselves, which is crazy because it was not that long ago. But y'all have probably heard this story. To me, um, my parents' thing was always, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. You can be a stay-at-home mom, but you're going to have an education that if the support of your family falls on you, you can do it. And so whenever I, I was in law school and I was all stressed out and um, I was like, I remember this so well, I was running with my mom and I was like, I just really, I just think, I think maybe God's calling me to be a kindergarten teacher. Like, I really think that's what I need to do. And she looked at me and she said, you can be a kindergarten teacher with a law degree. And <laughs> that kind of tough love, I mean, it's, you know, always encouraging and supporting that she would never let me kind of back down from what my potential was and from something that I was already working toward and going for. So that's, I mean, definitely who mine is. Um, I've had a lot of sheroes in my life and not, I wouldn't say my professional career. I would say I look to many of my peers for the shiro examples that we see. I mean, there are, there are incredible women in the profession, um, but you know, who I have a personal relationship with or who I I have mentorship relationships with, they're honestly with, with most of my peers in terms of women, but the sheroes that I think about are the women in my family. I come from a, a family of incredibly strong alpha women. <laughs> my um, aunts, my grandmother, my mother herself was a, was a very strong woman. Um, we are just not a family of shrinking violets. My godmother um, and these are all women who are business owners, um, property owners, professionals, doctors, lawyers. And so just being raised, I think, around that, my mother-in-law is, she was a stay-at-home mom and sued her city and is now the president of the city council of that city. That's amazing. And running for mayor. <laughs> so um, that just gives you, you know, just a little example of um, just women that I've been fortunate to have in my life for my entire life and setting that environment for my girls is is just as important to me so uh any other thoughts or anything that you hope that our listeners take away from this podcast over the next coming months i think just listen right like it's just so if it affects you for that day you know we're not a, i'm not hoping to make any lifetime impacts on anybody with a podcast but i think if somebody on their way to work is listening to this and has takes one little bit of I'm not going to be a shrinking violet today. You know, if that's like what you take and it empowers you to do something great that day, I mean, that's the most we could hope for. If it empowers you to, you know, give somebody else really good advice and just say, you got this, Brittany. You can do this. You got this case. You're going to rock your first jury trial. And if it gives somebody else, you know, if it's a domino effect or if it just has one little effect, I think that makes this whole project worth it. it whatever impact we can have, I'll take it. 
Well, we just want to thank you all for, you're going to be our first episode on the Shira podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> we started out with our executive committee and on behalf of myself and obviously Rebecca and Sarah, we just want to thank you for letting us do this project. I think it's important to get these stories out there, get this advice out there for female attorneys in the profession. And um, thank you for being our own personal sheroes. This is exactly, the board is exactly, our exec committee is what we want for this podcast. Diverse female stories, uh, talking about what it's like to be in the law, some of the challenges that we face, and how to get through it. And we can't hope for anything better. Thanks Thanks for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please support the work we're doing by liking the Texas Young Lawyers Association's Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at Tex Young Lawyers. And tune in for our next episode on Wonder Women Wednesday.